Hello, you are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper, you're in for a treat. And tonight we're going to talk about seven dimensions of the anointing. Because one of the things that I found in, in uh, church settings is this. We have a lot of people who got saved. And they make the walk down the aisle and give their life to Christ. But getting saved doesn't give you the anointing. Thought I'd throw that out in the room to kind of kick this off right. The day you came down the aisle and gave your life to Jesus was a significant moment. You went from heaven, you went from hell to heaven. That's to be celebrated. But the challenge that we have a lot of times in, in the body of Christ is we have a bunch of people trying to do God's work without God's power. And so what ends up happening in Tim, you know, Timothy, well, Paul talked about it in Timothy, having a form of godliness without the power to go behind it. And what happens is people get frustrated. People get frustrated. They're like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but it's not having any fruit. And, and so maybe this thing isn't real. Well, I want to submit to you tonight that it's very real. You've just been taught wrong. That's okay. Let that settle for a moment. Because the Holy Spirit, and I'm not trying to get into Sunday's message, so I'm going to try and stay into tonight. But the Bible is very explicit about when the power or the anointing came into the earth and when it came upon people. It's very clear. But I want to dive for, for this moment just to look at our foundational scripture in Psalms 92 verse 10, where it says, But my horn, my emblem of strength and power... You have exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with fresh oil for your service. And so when we think about it, I was, I remember uh, probably about a month or so ago. Yeah, it had to be a couple months ago. I was driving and my car was sluggish. And I was like, man, this doesn't have the same oomph when I drive. And then probably about a day or so later, my oil change light went off. You know, the oil change light. Not, not the mechanical failure light, but the oil change light went off. And I said, oh, when it got an oil change, as soon as I got the oil change, the power came back to my vehicle. And why am I saying that? Because there are some of us in this room that made the walk down the aisle And didn't take the extra step of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the anointing comes from. But there are others of us in this room that made the step down the aisle that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you not acting like it. And what happens is when your oil gets corroded, when your oil gets old, it doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. So therefore... A person who's never received God's anointing through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a person who has received it but hasn't done regular maintenance is in the same boat. Because this thing is not a Sunday morning thing. For you to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
It is a daily fellowship with God so that the anointing can stay active in your life. Because how many of y'all know, all you got to do is wake up, get dressed, and get in your car, and you tempt it about 10 times before you make it to your destination. Maybe not tempted with lust, but you tempted to cuss. And the whole idea behind this is that not only do we have to get the oil of the Holy Spirit and the anointing in our lives, but it has to be maintained and kept up so they can function and flow the way that it's supposed to. And so that's a precursor to tonight. And tonight we're going to talk about the seven dimensions of the anointing, which operate as what's called the seven motivational gifts. Because the seven motivational gifts are, it is, well, let me stop here and say that the anointing is simply the power of God on you. So the anointing is God's power on you to do things that you couldn't do in the flesh. And I got to tell you this, I would not want to live without the anointing. Some of you all that may have not really experienced it, you're like, well, what's the big deal? Listen, it is a difference between operating a vehicle with gas and driving or standing behind the vehicle and it's not on and you're pushing it. It is that simple that the anointing makes everything easier, doesn't take away hardships, but when you got the anointing of God working in you and on you, it begins to bring an ease, a peace, a flow to life that is not existent without it. And so tonight as we talk about the, the seven dimensions of the anointing, we must understand where this anointing came from. And we can go all the way back to the beginning of time for the power of God at the beginning of creation when he spoke light be and there was. We know that the power of God was evident then. But I want to move us to the New Testament where God, Jesus was talking to the disciples and he put it in these plain terms in Acts 1 and 8. He says, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's interesting that before God, through Jesus Christ, released the disciples to go out and do ministry, he said, nah, you need to just wait a minute. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, then you go and do. Because without that, you're simply operating in flesh. And flesh can have good intentions, but it doesn't have the power that works behind it. And so in this portion of scripture, he says, now you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, the anointing comes up on you. And when we understand that, then we get to this place where he not only said you're going to receive power, but that some gifts are going to be made available to you. That these gifts, and, and I did this study to, today and I've been doing it, but I'm going to, as I walk through each gift and walk you through this, I'm actually going to show you how each gift plays out in the natural world. Because for me, uh, when I was growing up and learning about spiritual gifts, I always thought it was just for church. So I'm like, okay, 
That'll be good for me on a Sunday morning or, or if the Lord taps me on my shoulder and tells me to heal somebody at the grocery store. But why do I really need a spiritual gift? What's so significant about it? Well, I'll tell you this. You will find out tonight that the gifts actually play out in the secular world. And when you understand what your gifting is, you really get a better, better idea of what career field you should go into, what you should be doing for a job. See, some of us, we, I saw a post from one of our young people, and, and he was just like, he, he said the cuss word, F, this life, everything I do fails. That's what he said. And, and the first thought that came to my mind was, oh, he just don't really know who he is. Because when you don't know who you are or what you have, you're going to try a bunch of things and it could fail. And you think, oh, this is all I'm capable of. But can I tell you, man, I promise you, once you find out what that gift is and you learn how to flow in that gift, you ain't going to ever have to chase money again. It will begin to chase you. You won't have to chase the career again. And listen, that doesn't mean there won't be dry seasons and seasons of, of things not moving as quickly as you want. But God, when you operate with him, he begins to move you into places so your gift can shine. And he just, it's like incrementally, he moves you up and up. But that's Sunday's message. But tonight, when we discover our motivational gifts, these motivational gifts that I'm talking about, they are in a practical nature described as our inner motivations as Christians, which means these gifts are tied to your passion. So when you understand what your gift is, you begin to find out what you're passionate about. And when I'm telling you, when you understand that side of it, it begins to change the way you live your life. And so I'm going to go through the seven motivational gifts, but I'm also going to show you how they tie into the body. So the first motivational gift is prophecy. And prophecy has to do with seeing. It is, it's really, and let me read this. The motivational gift of prophecy, it's like a seer or the eyes of the body. They have insight foresight and act like watchdogs in the church they warn of sin reveal sin and they're usually very verbal and may come across judgmental and impersonal so if you've met anybody like that they may have the gift of prophecy somebody said amen <laughs> then now just don't look to your left or right because that may be the person you're next to so just but it says they are serious, dedicated, and loyal to truth over friendship. So prophecy, eyes. So those are the eyes of the body and they're seers. They, they see what's out ahead. They see what's happening. They, they have the ability by the hand of God to point out sin in somebody's life. And they're like, how do you even know? Because I got the gift. And guess what? These are the jobs that people with a prophetic gift can have. Y'all ready? All my prophets, here it is. If you have the gift of prophecy... You can be an entrepreneur. You can be, and it says, intercessor, law enforcement, judge, persuader, pilot, 
politician, preacher, says provoker, not really sure what job that is, <laughs> referee, salesperson, umpire, or visionary. So it's like, it's got, like, when you have that gift, it actually has career paths attached to it. And here's the thing, when you tap into your gift and your gift becomes more than just your job, but your life's work, you have the opportunity. Now, you will be successful because God built inside every gift a level of success. And success isn't just the money, isn't just the houses, but it is a, a sense of fulfillment every day you wake up doing the thing that you do. So maybe you're on a job and you're like, well, Pastor Tony, how does my gift of prophecy tie into my job? Well, you know what? On your job, you can be an evangelist. On your job, you can be the prosecutor. What does that mean? That means you could go around telling people you're not doing your work. I saw you sleeping. They, but what you want to begin to do is wherever you're located, begin to allow God to operate in that gift through you because that's the place of your greatest success. Number two, the next spiritual gift, serving. So serving, and that is a gift, the gift of service, that is hands. So service is hands, and basically a person who serves is this motivational gift. They are concerned with meeting the needs of others. They are highly motivated doers. They tend to overcommit, but find joy in serving and meeting short-term goals. So if you have a heart towards other people's needs, and you have a desire to, to do things, to, to make people's lives better, then you have the gift of service. Well, guess what kind of job the gift of service has? They can be, yep, I know I don't have this gift, animal care. So animal care, bookkeeper, child care, clerical worker, cook, customer service, driver, factory worker, flight attendant, a homemaker, hospitality, mechanic. You see the flow of these? These are all jobs that make people's lives better by helping them out. And so those are the types of uh, uh, jobs that happen for a person who has the gift of service. And this is what you have to understand is that to the person who has a prophetic gift, the gift of service isn't all that exciting. If I say a gift and you're not excited about that gift, it ain't in you. We're all called to serve, but not all of us have the gift of service. But when you understand, and as I walk through these gifts, I want you to listen with your hearts and say, okay, what, what jumped off the page at me that really connected with my heart? The third gift, teacher. The teacher gift is the mind. So I'm going to go over here above. You like the way my mind looks? Thank you. Somebody said I have the writing of a third grader. That's all right. That's why I carry my laptop everywhere. 
But the teaching gift functions more with the mind, meaning this motivational gift of teaching, they are the mind of the body. They realize their gift is foundational. They emphasize accuracy of words and love to study. Anybody love to study? Okay, see? So you may have the gift of teaching. And so they delight in research to validate truth. I know that's you right there. (laughs) So if you love studying and you love to make sure that, that the truth is being told in a situation, I'll tell you this, people that love, to, people that are teachers can't stand people that don't teach scripture accurately. They have a real problem with somebody that uses a scripture out of context and starts adding in their own thoughts because teachers have this mindset, this has got to be right. It's like they are very detailed in the way that they approach the word of God. And so they're very good at studying. And here are the jobs that teachers can have. They can have academic, analyst, chemist, doctor, editor, expert, investigator, journalist, judge, lawyer, professor, reporter. See, some of y'all been missing out on your whole job call because you didn't know what your gift was. Some, there are professors in this room right now that don't even know they're professors because they didn't know that that was their gift. They just thought this was just something that they did. And when you walk through understanding that you have the motivational gift of teaching, you are anointed to teach. You know what that means? When you teach the word of God, people say, wow, I didn't know that. Man, was that in scripture? How did you get that out of there? Why? Because people that have that anointing, when they flow in it, it does something powerful for the body. And I thank God for people with the spirit of teaching on them. Because if we didn't have teachers in the body of Christ, this thing would be crazy. So that is the next motivational gift. The other motivational gift, giving. Giving is the arm. See, givers have a desire. They truly enjoy reaching out and giving. They are excited by the prospect of blessing others. They desire to give quietly in secret but will also motivate others to give. They are alert to people's needs. They give cheerfully and always give the best they can give. So you have you ever met somebody that's a giver? And I mean, they just, they love to bake something, make something, uh, send something. They love giving. And listen, what I want to tell you is this. We're all required to have portions of this in our lives, but there are some of us that have the gift of it and love giving. How many givers do we have in the house? Like you love giving. I'm, I'm putting my hand back down because I didn't want to lie. But I mean, I like to give. I, you know, tell the truth, shame the devil. I like to give, but some of you all in this room love to give. You giving gives you life. And people are like, you keep giving your last this and your last that. But for you, it's not like that. Because if anybody ever stopped you from giving, you would, you would want to crawl and die somewhere because it's not worth it anymore. Well, that's the arm of the body. 
And when you begin to think through how these body parts function together, you begin to understand that when the body works together the way it's supposed to, there is nothing missing and nothing broken. And so when we move into the next gift, the gift of exhortation and encouragement. Now, who wants to guess where that gift is? Somebody, come on, say it. The mouth, that's it, see? That's it, it's the mouth. People that have the gift of exhortation talk too much. No, that's not in here, sorry. Forgive me, where was that? No, read that wrong, my bad. (laughs) But those with the uh, motivational gift, they have a motivational gift of encouragement. They are the mouth of the body. They're like cheerleaders. They encourage other believers and are motivated by a desire to see people grow and mature in the Lord. They are practical and positive, and they seek positive responses. So when you have the gift of exhortation, when people are around you, there is something about you that makes them feel better about themselves. It's like... You always have something positive to say. You always have something encouraging to say. How many people have, feel like they have the gift of exhortation in the house? Yeah. Because you want to make sure that everybody around you is good and everybody around you is cool. So if you see somebody that's down, and here's the thing that you got to know. When you operate in the gift of exhortation, you have an anointing on you to do so. So when you do it, the power of God is working through you and will have an effect on somebody that may be ready to commit suicide. We see, And when we operate in this, God gets an opportunity to show off through you. And these seem very practical and very normal. You know why? Because God is natural and supernatural all at the same time. And so encouragers, you could be an actor, an announcer, a coach, a comedian. That, I, that was going to be my other job, but I decided to pastor and said, diplomat. HR, I don't know where HR comes in with this, but you know, marketing, motivator, networker, pastor, realtor, salesperson, team builder. See, the, in, the people with an exhortation gift are great at being able to bring other people together. And they're the mouthpiece. Now, the next one is probably my favorite. This is my favorite. So, you know, this is my passion. The next one is leadership. And so when you have the leadership gift, you're actually operating from where? I bet you won't know this one. Nope. Where? Legs? No. Last guess, anybody? The eyes? Nope, we already did the eyes. Remember, it's a whole body. We don't want a cyclops. (laughs) The ears, the head? Nope. The shoulder? Why the shoulder? Because shoulders carry weight. Leaders carry weight. God has given the gift of leadership to carry the weight of the body. And so when you talk about that, it says the people with the motivational gift of leadership, they have the ability to see the overall picture, set goals and and term, uh, I'm sorry, set long-term goals. They're good organizers. They find efficient ways of getting things done. They have the ability to hold the weight 
of organizations, of families, of, of, of churches, because they have the ability by the grace of God to withstand the pressures that come with moving people in a direction. And so it says that they receive fulfillment when others come together to complete a task. So leaders have the shoulder weight of the body of Christ to help it move forward. Now here are the jobs for leaders. And I actually quite like these. Boss, CEO, COO, conductor, department head, director, executive, fire chief, head coach, lawyer, planner, police chief. So whenever you see people with the leadership gift, that's because God has given them an anointing to carry away. Here's the cool thing about God's gifts. God's gifts are without repentance. Then no matter how bad you messed up, no matter how bad you've made a mess of your life, when you get back in line with God, he is not taking the gift away from you. The gift can be dormant. It can feel like the gift is gone. But the gift, when you get back in line with God, it will still be there ready to function. Maybe undeveloped, maybe in his infant stages. Because he, the thing about gifts is this. God will give you the gift, but you got to develop it. Your gift comes to you in seed form. So when you get it, you're going to stumble through it, make mistakes through it, make bad decisions through it. But when you learn that, okay, this is my gift, so keep pushing. Failure is not fatal. It's just a lesson that I got to learn and I got to keep growing in whatever my gifting is. That's how it works with all of them. And then the last gift is mercy or compassion. Now, where is mercy or compassion? The heart. That's it. So mercy is a gift. And it said they, they easily sense the joy and distress in other people and are sensitive to feelings and needs. They are attracted to and patient with people in need. They're motivated by the desire to see people healed from hurts. They truly seek, I'm sorry, they are truly meek in nature and avoid firmness. So when you have somebody whose gift is compassion or mercy, they have a strong discerner to those that are hurting. Doesn't that just drive you crazy when you're around somebody like that? I mean, honestly, you're having a bad day. I'm not broadcasting that I'm having a bad day. It's just me and my bad day, me and the Lord and my bad day. And then somebody with a mercy gift comes along and they say, are you okay? It seems like something's off. Well, you know what that is? That's a gift in operation. And I mean, there's a Holy Spirit operating in them. And sometimes I just want to turn their Holy Spirit off for a moment and just be where I'm at in my pity party. But God has given us all of these gifts for this so that the body can function the way that it's supposed to. And here's what the, the big idea with, with this month and with tonight is that every single person under the sound of my voice has a gift. 
Nobody says the simple fact that you are breathing is evident that God has given you an anointing and he has given you a gift. And here's what he does. He gives it to you. He shows it to you. But you got to develop it. God will not develop your gift for you. He puts it on you to develop your gift. And so if you have a gift or if you don't know what your gift is, the first thing you want to do is find it. The second thing you want to do is spend time growing in it. And I'll tell you this, when we stand before God, at the end of it all, I know he's going to ask, what did you do with Jesus? So we know that part. We know we received him as savior and that's why we're there. But I think there is another thing that we're going to be judged on called our works. And our works determine where we stand in heaven. And I get it. Some people are like, if I'm a doormat in heaven, I am happy. As long as I make it in. And some of us live that way right now. Because we ain't doing nothing. Since the moment we gave our life to Jesus, we're just, okay, fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I'm good. But God didn't leave you here for that. Do you realize the simple fact that you're breathing is evident that your assignment is not done and that you don't have, it's like most of us operate in church like we don't have an assignment, like the assignment is only from the stage or only from the hospitality team or children's department. You realize God didn't save you just to have you go to heaven alone or he would have just beamed you up like Scotty at the moment you made your step down to this front aisle. That he birthed you with an anointing in place so that you could help further the kingdom of God and get other people saved. That's it. And so as we're sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, understanding that God has an anointing on our life and given us something, our life's purpose should be finding that thing and fulfilling it. And I'll tell you, I almost forgot. If you have a mercy gift, here are your jobs. Arts, chaplain, child care, cosmetology. Yeah, yeah, cosmetologists need some compassion. Counseling, customer service, elderly care, listener, medical assistant, ministry, missions, motherhood, public defender. Do you see how these gifts operate in every sector of life? And that when I find my gift and start developing and living in it, that it gives God something to work with and he's built success into it. So tonight as we prepare to depart, I want to leave you with this. You're anointed. You. Anointing isn't a title for a pastor. Anointing is something that everybody has an opportunity to have in the body of Christ. You already, you have an anointing on you, you just need to find it. But the anointing comes through the Holy Spirit. And we believe that it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that brings the anointing into your life. And if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is one of the greatest experiences you can ever have. And it is one of the things that can set your life on a pace away from just living down here to where you get to live at another level. And so what we're going to be doing Sunday, because I want, 
I want everybody who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm, I'm not like that. But I want you to write down Acts 2 and 38. Everybody that hasn't. And what I want you to do for the next couple of days before Sunday is I want you to read that scripture and I want you to meditate on it and let God speak to you. Acts 2 and 38. And then Sunday morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to come with, I'm simply believing that through this exercise, doing it like this, that you're going to come with a heart that's ready to receive. And at that moment, it won't be this. Because we're not tarrying. This ain't a tarrying service. We simply believe that receiving the Holy Spirit, the baptism of it is by faith. And I want to give you a chance over the next couple of days to get your faith engaged so that when that moment comes on Sunday, you're just coming down and you're ready to receive what's already yours. Amen. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.